All right, Miss Jennifer. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> kind of interesting because you see them going out, and the next thing you know, they'll be standing here graduating. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. In the absence of our pastor, we're thankful for Pastor James and Kara and her work has led them on a trip, and so we're grateful for their time of rest and relaxation. I don't know about you, but uh, my heart's been kind of heavy this week. Anybody else can relate to that? So I've been praying about... What word could I give that would be an encouragement in the midst of families of victims of the tragedy in Virginia Beach? And to think that a resident of Powhatan who's been working there for the last eight months, his life has been cut short aimlessly. The Brawls family, who was a part of this church family and their son murdered what word of encouragement could I give them what word of encouragement could I give our graduates who really and truly when we think about the past and we think about the present and we think about the unforeseen future what word of encouragement could we give graduates today. I think of the, the Boland family and little Maddie, 10 years old, who is innocently riding a golf cart and, and to experience the tragedy that they experienced and not knowing whether or not she would live or if she would die. And today we can give thanks that she lived, right? And that she's home. A long way to go, but we praise the Lord. In the midst of that, a word of encouragement. Tommy Mann, you know, we rely on those stents or stinks to work. Yeah. We rely on those to work, but when they don't, and there needs to be a replacement, we need a word of encouragement, don't we? Pat Collins, who's going through a procedure and just wondering what the results are going to be. Gene, when you hear the cancer has returned, right? Or we, in our midst, hear once a week from a daughter that we don't know what's actually happening in North Africa. We need a word of encouragement. So listen to these words from the psalmist. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Tommy, does that encourage you? Gene, does that encourage you? Graduates, does that encourage you? The Lord is our shepherd in every circumstance of our life. This is the psalm of the great shepherd who cares for his sheep and equips them for ministry. Unfortunately, we primarily hear this psalm, we hear this 23rd psalm when? At funerals, right? But the 23rd psalm focuses on what Jesus does for us because the psalmist says, all the days of our life. All the days of our life and not just at death. It's also unfortunate that people tend to spiritualize the psalm and we fail to see it in its true meaning and its true setting. And so David is speaking about some of the difficult things that he has experienced during his long walk with the Lord. And so this context is a picture of David, not as a little boy, as a little shepherd boy, not that image, but here is a mature David. Here is a mature man. So David's message is for mature believers who have fought battles and carried burdens throughout their life. Can anyone relate to that this morning? Have you fought battles? Have you carried burdens in your lifetime? And the answer is yes. Haven't we all in some time in our life? David often compared the enemy to animals that are clever and strong. But in the 23rd Psalm, he pictured God's people as lowly sheep. Now, I've often wondered why he did that, but I believe that so that we would learn more about our shepherd and that we would really see how tenderly he cares for the sheep. Now, what do we know about sheep? Anybody have sheep on their farm? No one? Used to. Okay. You have goats? Okay. (laughs) I hope that before the day's out, you can say with me, I'd rather be a sheep than an old goat any day. (laughs) All right? So, what are the descriptors of sheep? What do we know about sheep? They are defenseless animals... And they're prone to get lost. They need almost constant care. Now, you can't drive sheep as you do cattle. They must be led. The eastern shepherds know their sheep by name. When the shepherd calls them, they will come. They know his voice and they'll come. The sheep were kept and they were kept for several reasons. Uh, Not for food, but they were kept for wool. They were kept for milk and they were kept for reproduction. And so David explains in this psalm that if we follow the Lord and we trust him like sheep, he will meet our every need no matter what our circumstance may be. Some scholars break the 23rd psalm down in this way into two parts based on the Lord's role. So first of all, Jesus as the good shepherd is found in verses 1 through 4, and then Jesus as the gracious host is found in verses 5 through 6. 
Now, for today, I want us to follow my good friend who's just gone home to be with the Lord, a great theologian and writer, Warren Wiersbe. In his commentary, he gives a pattern that we're going to examine today in the 23rd Psalm. There's a pattern. So here's what I mean by pattern. There's a pattern because there is a place, there is a location, there is a position of the shepherd, and then how he meets the needs of the sheep. So that's his provision. So we're going to be looking at the place, and we're going to be looking at the provision. And there are four of those we're going to be looking at today. The first one, the first place that we find the shepherd is in the pasture. Now, the shepherd is in the pasture, and he is providing our needs. And what is the provision? He's providing all that we need. We see this in verses 1 through 3 as we continue to examine this passage. The Lord is Jehovah God, the covenant-making God of Israel. And so the compound names of, of Jehovah that we find in the Old Testament are reflected here in the 23rd Psalm. So I want you to take a look at the screen here. So when we read the Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the name for Jesus, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. When we hear that he leads us beside still waters, that's not distilled waters, it's the still waters. Did you get that? Okay. That means Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. When he restores our soul, that's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He leads us into the paths of righteousness, that's Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. You are with me, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That means that Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner over us. And you anoint our head with oil, Jehovah Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. And so when we look at this, you guys... And we see that Jesus is in the pasture. He is the shepherd. What is his provision for us? He provides all that we need. All that we need. And it's reflected here in the 23rd Psalm. So the verb here is is a participle that actually means he is shepherding me. So the Lord has shepherded me, but he's still shepherding me and he will continue to shepherd me. So in the context of David's writings, we picture the shepherd and his sheep and the relationship that they share together. Well, we've looked at sheep, so now let's consider the characteristics of a shepherd, particularly eastern shepherds. Shepherds' work was not easy, you guys. They guarded their sheep, they led them, they provided food and water for them. They took care of them when they were weary, when they got bruised, they cared for them. If they got cut up or if they were sick... They rescued them when they strayed, knew them by name. And I've got three children. They don't look alike. They're nothing alike. But does anybody call the role? You call the wrong children's names from time to time. I mean, can you imagine having twins or triplets and not being able to tell them apart? Can you imagine being a shepherd and having a hundred sheep and all of them look exactly alike? And being able to distinctly call them by name. That's a shepherd. Assisted in delivering the lambs. And in every way, they just simply loved the sheep. 
So what does this say about shepherd and sheep? What does this say about pastor and people? This says that pastors are to love their sheep and feed their sheep and lead their sheep. And I am thankful to have a pastor who does that, even if he's from Arkansas. Oh, Nick is from Arkansas too, sorry. When Jane and I were in the Holy Land in Israel, we kind of saw this firsthand. Pastures were lush and green following the rainy season, but these conditions don't last all year. It's very green when it's the rainy seasons. There, there are really no fences in the fields. The land is rough, it's dangerous. The land is abounding with wild animals, snakes, and so the helpless flock of sheep need constant oversight. So even if the shepherd do doesn't own the sheep, they treat them as if they were their own sheep. And they give an account for these sheep from field to field, from fold to fold. Jesus, our Lord, calls believers, he calls us my sheep. Because he loved us. He died for us because the Father gave us to him. Sheep are an entrustment to the shepherd, and he is expected to meet their needs. So what are the needs of, of sheep? Primarily, they need food. They need grass. They need water. They need rest. And a shepherd knows where to lead them. So likewise, when God's people follow their shepherd, we have all that we need and will lack for nothing, or at least not the necessities of life. Notice I didn't say our wants, but I said our necessities. His promise is to supply our needs according to his riches and glory. It's our needs, not necessarily our wants. David didn't say he makes me lie down in greener pastures. What did he say? He makes me lie down in green pastures, signifying we are given exactly what we need. Did you know that sheep will not lie down when they're hungry? Did you know that? They won't drink from flowing streams either. So it's not unusual for the shepherd to temporarily to kind of dam up a stream so that the sheep can quench their thirst from the pool of water. And so that's what's meant in verse 2 when David says, beside the still waters. They just dam up the stream so that the sheep can actually drink. In heaven, our shepherd will lead us to fountains of living water and we will never thirst again. Aren't you glad? The word lead in verse 2 is translated to mean to lead gently. You see, I've already said we can't drive sheep. We're not talking about a, a team of horses and a rancher is behind them and he's tapping them to, to say, giddy up. That doesn't, that doesn't work with sheep. This is not some dog sled team with the team leader yanking on the rope trying to get them moving. That's not what sheep do. The shepherd is in front of the sheep. He's leading the way. He's setting the example. He's encouraging the sheep to follow him. And David says, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and they follow him. Just like when we listen to Jesus... And we read his word, 
And as sheep, we do what? We follow him. We obey him. Right? And if a sheep goes astray, the shepherd leaves the flock in charge of some helpers and he goes to find that lost animal. He's willing to leave the 99 to go search for the one that is lost. I've got to tell you, as a pastor, I was always burdened. I never liked to see people stray from the church. And I know everybody has a right to select a congregation. Maybe it's based on theology. Sometimes it's polity. Sometimes it's missiology. Sometimes it's methodology. Or they just don't like the music. I mean, that's just the way it is. But as a pastor, I always went after the folks. Was it because I was trying to convince them that they were wrong? No, they were wrong. Uh, Not really, not really. Was it because I wanted them to complete some exit poll just so it would help our church understand why people were leaving the church or how we could improve the church in the future? Well, maybe that was the case. But I came to the conclusion, the, the real reason that I went after people. You see, when you've gotten to know your sheep and you love them, and you invest your lives in the sheep and their families, and you share life together, you share the good times together, the bad times together, you are there in times of weddings, in times of babies being born, but in times of death, and you care for your sheep, you just want to make sure that they're okay. You want to make sure that they have quickly chosen to go into another field and now they're being led by another shepherd. That's okay. My fear was that they were lost and wandering out in the the field somewhere, wandering away from their relationship and journey with the Lord. Do we see the parallel here between shepherd and sheep relationships? The word paths in verse 3 means well-worn paths or rut. So when sheep start to explore the exciting new path that goes into another field, oftentimes it leads them into trouble. And that's why in Hebrews 13.9 we read, Do not be carried about by every wind and doctrine or varied and strange teachings. The shepherd cares for the sheep because he loves them and he wants to maintain the good reputation of being a good steward, a faithful shepherd. All right, Cameron, that was number one. Let's move to number two. We'll go faster. The second place we find the shepherd is in the valley. Anybody in the valley? Well, here's the provision. Jesus provides calmness in the valley. Verse four in the central verse of the song, the personal pronoun changes from he to you. So David is no longer speaking about the shepherd, but now he is actually speaking to the shepherd. He says in the dark valley, and it actually means he's not just before us, but he's also beside us, and he's in the valley with us, leading the way and calming our fears. The valley of deep darkness represents any difficult experiences or circumstances that we find our life, that we find in our life that makes us afraid. And that includes death. Not just death, but it includes 
death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It might be death, but it might not be death. The shadow means it's been pretty close, or it scared us to death. I mean, you do know what I'm talking about here, right? I mean, you've experienced some tough times in your life. If not, I want to encourage you this morning, be on the lookout because tough times are coming. I mean, that's a fulfillment of Scripture. This life journey we're on is not an easy road. It wasn't death, but it scared us to death. The heart attack that required a changed lifestyle, the automobile accident that left paralysis, the word of Down syndrome, the cancer diagnosis. And the Lord, the shepherd, was in the valley with us and will be with us even until death. Sheep lack good vision. And they're easily frightened when new circumstance, uh, in new circumstances, especially if it's dark. And so the presence of the shepherd calms down the sheep. Now, here, the, the shepherd, when we hear the term rod, the rod was a heavy tool that the shepherd could lean on, but he also used the rod to kill an attacking beast if he needed to. Rod, and then there's the staff, which is the shepherd's crook, which he used to assist individual sheep. So in the evening, he would have the sheep pass under the crook. One, uh, he, they would pass under one by one so that he could count them and he could examine them. I mean, he didn't have a clicker like we used at Bush Gardens yesterday when you're going through the gate. That's not, that's not what they used. It was a crook. It was the staff. But it gave the flock peace just knowing that the shepherd was there and was there and equipped for any circumstance. So Jesus, our shepherd, who is Emmanuel, God with us, is not someone who runs away at the sight of danger. He is a true shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. God's sheep have peace with God and enjoy the peace of God as we trust him. So through life, as we follow the shepherd, we will have many varied experiences. Some of which are going to be very trying. But be encouraged. None of your life circumstances take the Lord by surprise. We can trust him and have peace. The closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are, and the more his peace fills our heart. Number three. The third place is in the field. And what's his provision as we're in the field? His provision is assurance. We're looking at verse 5. Some scholars believe there is a change of metaphor here in verse 5 from the shepherd and his sheep, and now we're looking at the host and his guest. But this is not necessarily the case. You see, the word table doesn't necessarily mean a, a piece of furniture used by humans. It simply means that something was spread out. So any flat places on the country hillside could be called tables. And sometimes the shepherd stopped the flock at these flat, laid-out areas, and he allowed them to eat and rest as they were headed into the fold. 
So for us, it would be like traveling on 64, heading to Williamsburg yesterday, and there's the rest stop, and we want to get a snack, and we want to stretch our legs before we get ready to go in for the evening, right? It would be the same principle. After every difficult day's work, the aim of the shepherd was to bring the flock safely back into the fold where the tired sheep could rest for the night. Now, sometimes in the fold, the shepherd would spread out food in a trough because sheep lie down and rest after they have eaten. I want you to hear that. Sheep lie down and rest after they have eaten. Are you a sheep? Me too. Like at bedtime, a little ice cream never hurt anybody, right? Or giving the baby... A little food in the milk, make them feel full before they go to sleep. Now, as they slept, they would be protected. The sheep would be protected by a stone wall that surrounded them, and the shepherd himself would sleep across the opening. In other words, the shepherd actually became the door. So during the night, thieves, dangerous animals, they might approach the fold, but there was no way that they could reach the sheep because the shepherd had actually laid across the opening, the door. You see, the Lord doesn't always remove the danger from our lives, but he helps us to overcome them and not be paralyzed by our fear. That's what we've been singing about, about, Nick. Fear is a liar. This is what it means to be more than conquerors through him that loved us and have peace in the midst of danger. The shepherd would examine the sheep as they entered into the fold... To be sure that none of them were injured, they were bruised or sick, maybe from eating some poisonous plants. To those that were hurt, he applied soothing oil to their wounds. If they were thirsty, he had a large two-handled cup that was filled with water. He'd give them a little more to drink. He would apply oil to their heads and to their horns to keep the flies and other insects away. The sheep knew that they were safe and they could rest easy and they could sleep without fear. They were in the fold with their shepherd and they had the assurance that they were safe. Nothing could pluck them out of his hand. Nothing. The fourth place we find the shepherd is the father's house. And his provision is all eternity. As the shepherd laid out each night at the door of the sheepfold, he looked back over the day and he gave thanks to the Lord because he had been blessed with goodness and mercy. Look at verse 6, goodness and mercy. So as an older man, David is looking back over his long life and he came to the same conclusion in spite of his sins, in spite of his failures, he had been followed by goodness and mercy, which is the Old Testament equivalent of Romans 8.28, surely means only, only goodness and mercy would follow him. So as David looked back, he saw goodness and mercy. But as he looked ahead, he saw heaven. And he knew that he would be in the Father's house forever. Now, there are those who think when David speaks of the Father's house, it is reference to the temple 
But that can't be the case because the king didn't live in a temple. Furthermore, nobody could live in the temple forever or anywhere forever for that matter. So it's clear then that Jesus is using this terminology to speak about heaven. You see, the things that puzzle us, the things that disturb us today, this senseless murders that are happening or disease, it will be clear when we get to heaven. We'll look back and know that it was only goodness and mercy, even in the midst of all of this. My friends, under the old covenant, the sheep died for the shepherd. But under the new covenant, the shepherd died for the sheep. And we shall meet our shepherd in heaven. The shepherd is waiting for his sheep to come home. Revelation 7, 17 says this, For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, this morning I just wanted us to to recognize that the 23rd Psalm is much more than comfort during a funeral. It's much more than that. We could conclude this morning that Jesus is everything that we need. And his sufficiency should bring us comfort and should bring us encouragement in the midst of our circumstances. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the creator and sustainer of all. The infinite God who meets our every need. Christ is our peace and our protection in every situation. He is our guard. He is our guide. Amen? So where are you today? Here's the questions. Cameron, I think we have it on the the screen. So where are you today? Are you in the pasture where things in life are green and, and you're being fed good food? Things are going well in your life. Maybe you're having a mountaintop experience. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're in the pasture. But maybe you're in the valley. And you're experiencing a a rough stretch in your life. And and you're facing difficulties and you're facing challenges. It's a discouraging time in your life. So here's the important question. Are you in the fold? Despite your circumstances, you know that God has got this. Nothing can separate the shepherd from the sheep. Are you in the fold? You are, aren't you? You are one of his sheep, aren't you? Because if you're not, he wants you to come to him. He wants to save you from your sins. He wants to care for you and protect you and feed you and give you goodness and mercy. And he invites you to make him Lord of your life and welcome you into the fold with other believers, other sheep. You are in the fold, aren't you? Are you in the Father's house? And I know that we haven't passed from this earthly life or we wouldn't be here this morning, right? But folks, this is the promise of heaven for all eternity, to live in the Father's house that he has prepared for us. And there are many rooms, there's plenty of room for you and me. So where are you today with our shepherd? Because it doesn't matter if you're in the pasture or if you're in the valley or if you're in the fold or soon to be heaven bound. The shepherd is there 
And he's here and he's providing for every, every need in every circumstance of your life. I jokingly said, I'd rather be a sheep than an old goat any day. And here's the reason why. Here's a shepherd who loves me enough that he would give his son Jesus for me. And in the midst of my life circumstances, he provides everything that I need. And all I have to do as a sheep, and you know sheep are not too smart, all I have to do is follow his lead. Just follow the shepherd. Will you do that this morning? Let's pray together.